This is the mop-up for October 25th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode, subscribe to my channel, and share it via social media or email with your friends. We have a poll in our live chat room. We have a live studio audience watching us on YouTube right now, and I'm conducting another poll. And the question is, when the Iowa caucuses roll around in January, Donald Trump will be A, in first place, B, in jail for violating a gag order, C, divorce court, and D, a mental institution. What do you think? I think he just had the worst day of his life. Yesterday was the worst day of Donald Trump's life, and uh, we're going to talk about it. And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. Late Tuesday evening, the Republicans in the House nominated Mike Johnson to be their speaker designee. This now makes him the fifth candidate they've run for speaker in less than a year. The full House is scheduled to vote later today at noon. And we are hearing that Mike Johnson might have a chance of getting 217 votes because he doesn't really exist. When I was a child, my parents promised I could have a puppy. And every couple of months, we would go to the pet store in Paramus, New Jersey. And my mother would make me try on pants at some store. And then I would be left alone with a puppy to play with while my mom and dad wandered around the mall. They would eventually return and I would be in love with the puppy and I'd be crying and saying, this is the one I've always wanted. And my father would say, okay, I, I just need to run back home and get my checkbook and we'll come back tonight. And we'd head home, me crying in the back seat, saying every time we go to the pet store at the mall, you promise me a puppy. And then you come up with an excuse later on for why we can't go back and buy the puppy. I know we're not going back to the pet store tonight. You lied. I know you're never, ever going to get me a puppy. And we never got a pet. We never got a puppy. Never. I never had a dog growing up. I wanted one. And, you know, every four months, my father talked me into going to the Paramus Mall. I would try on pants for my mother, and then they let me look at puppies. And I would go along knowing in the back of my mind I would fall in love with a puppy and my heart would be broken once again because my father at the last minute would deny me the puppy. But every three, four months, I kept going back to the Paramus Mall, trying on pants for my mother, falling in love with a puppy that I couldn't have because I liked the idea of playing with the puppies and holding out hope that maybe one day my father would keep his promise. And that's pretty much how I view the Republican search for a speaker. We're never getting a puppy. We are never going to get a puppy. We're pretending, but we're not going to get a puppy. Never. Never. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres 
a socialist from Portugal, blamed Hamas for waging war on Israel with its gruesome October 7th attack, killing at least 1,400 people. He called for the release of all the hostages. Israel called for his resignation, however, after he said the attack on Israel did not happen in a vacuum, citing decades of Israel's occupation and oppression. Eli Cohen, Israel's foreign minister, canceled his meeting with the secretary general, insisting there are not two sides to this story. The U.N. secretary general, Antonio Guterres, said later before the U.N. Security Council, quote, the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas, and those appalling attacks cannot justify the collective punishment of the Palestinian people, unquote. Tension between the United States and Iran t- has intensified when Secretary of State Anthony Blinken warned that President Biden is prepared to take decisive steps if America, if Americans stationed in Syria and Iraq are injured by weapons supplied by Iran. And it looks like decisive steps might be coming because they haven't talked about this, but we found out NBC News is reporting that U.S. Central Command reports that 24 American soldiers in Syria and Iraq were injured last week by Iranian drones. We're just finding out about that in the past few hours. It is generally accepted that Iran provides weapons to Hamas in Gaza, Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, as well as Houthi rebels in Yemen. There were reports that a missile fired from Yemen was shot shot out of the sky by the United States Navy stationed in the Red Sea before it could reach Israel. Pushing for passage of Joe Biden's $106 billion aid bill, Republican minority leader Mitch McConnell on Tuesday called China, Russia, and Iran the new axis of evil. Well, congratulations, Iran, because you were in the old axis of evil. It's like three or four decades still in the axis of evil. That's pretty impressive. Meanwhile, Republicans in the House have signaled funding for Ukraine continues to be a sticking point in electing their next speaker. Well, the race for speaker, you know, it's not a sprint and it's not a marathon, apparently. It's turns out it's more of a decathlon for flabby old white men in the advanced stages of arterial sclerosis. So it's going to take time. Well, actually, I take that back. Byron Donalds of Florida for a moment on Tuesday was a candidate for speaker and he's black. So it's also decathlon for flabby old black men in the advanced stages of arterial sclerosis. But we're never going to have a speaker. They're just going through the motions. Well, Republican Whip Tom Emmer of Wisconsin became the latest nominee for speaker to drop out on Tuesday. They named him speaker on Tuesday, and then only hours later, he dropped out before it ever got to the floor for a vote. There were actually two candidates for speaker on Tuesday. Uh, I'm just checking. Yep, it was Mike Johnson and Tom Emmer. And from what I understand, Mike Johnson is still the official nominee for speaker. 
uh, because he doesn't really exist. Emmer didn't last long. He quickly came under attack by Donald Trump for certifying Joe Biden's election in 2021. Others accused Emmer of supporting same-sex marriage, aid to Ukraine, lifting the debt ceiling back in June, and voting for the continuing resolution that expires on November 17th. I'm telling you, these Republicans are so demanding. They're like Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott trying to pick a wife. It's almost as though they don't really want to get married. Republicans went back into conference after Tom Emmer resigned and picked who would be their fifth nominee for speaker. The five speaker nominees in a year, and they decided on the fictitious Mike Johnson. This is now 21 days without a speaker. Hakeem Jeffries, Democratic minority leader, keeps getting 212 votes every time they try to pick a speaker. You need 217. And Hakeem Jeffries keeps getting 212. There aren't five Republicans in the House who, who've looked around and come to their senses Is it that hard to find five Republicans to flip? Look at all the Republicans flipping. In that RICO trial, Mark Meadows just flipped. How hard can it be to get five Republicans to flip? NBC News is now reporting that Kevin McCarthy has approached Jim Jordan with the idea of running together as speaker and assistant speaker. I'm starting to think the House is just silently quitting. They're just begging to get fired so they're still entitled to unemployment. They're just goofing around. Right, Jim Jordan would make an excellent assistant speaker because he did such a great job as an assistant wrestling coach. It took five rounds of secret ballots before the caucus could officially nominate Whip Tom Emmer. But coming out of the meeting, word was that heading to the floor, Emmer would be anywhere between 20 to 30 votes shy of 217. He lost before he ever even won. After Emmer won, Georgia Congressman Rick Allen said he could never vote for Emmer because Emmer voted to legalize same-sex marriage. Listen. Concerned are you about his vote on same-sex marriage? Uh, very concerned. Could you vote against him? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Would you? Are you going to? Is there any way you would vote for him? Uh, no. Allen report. Congressman Allen reportedly walked up to Emmer after Emmer won the nomination and said, "Quote: You don't need to get right with me. You need to get right with Jesus because of your support for gay marriage." That's what he said. You don't need to get right with me. You need to get right with Jesus because of your support for gay marriage. By the way, Rick Allen is such a devout Christian and a committed family man. Four years ago, he joined 158 other Republicans to vote against the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. Yeah, he figured, look, we gave nonviolence against women a try. Now let's see how violence against women pans out. Uh, It's very popular. Violence against women is very popular in my home district. We should give it a try. 
Ron DeSantis must be listening to my show, because if you heard yesterday's program, I made the case that Donald Trump is showing signs of dementia. And late Tuesday, Ron DeSantis pretty much said the same thing, because Donald Trump's behavior has been strange, and it's going to get stranger. It's going to get much stranger because of the pressures he's under. DeSantis told a crowd on Tuesday, quote, This is a different Donald Trump that we saw in 2015 and 2016. He's lost the zip on his fastball. He is wedded to the teleprompter. He can't get off that teleprompter. Yes, Donald Trump has lost the zip on his fastball. Like Donald Trump could throw ever through heat. I don't even think he threw the first ball out. Uh, for a baseball game, right? He was too ashamed to even throw every... I think he's the only president to ever throw the first pitch to kick off a new season of baseball. So, dementia. I talked about it yesterday. Donald Trump had the single worst day of his life on Tuesday. By any standards, for any human, even Trump if you want to call him a human, yesterday turned out to be the single worst day in Donald Trump's life. And that includes the birth of Don Jr. when the doctor regretted to inform Don Sr. that his son swallowed a lot of meconium in the womb, but sadly it looks like he's going to survive. Even worse than that day, The only thing Trump has going for him, the poll numbers, that's it. But this week has been a train wreck. Tuesday was a nightmare, and it's going to keep getting worse and worse till it eventually catches up with those poll numbers. His poll numbers cannot survive this. It's impossible. Late Tuesday, for example, we learned Mark Meadows flipped Trump's former chief of staff struck an immunity deal with Jack Smith, the special counsel, in the 2020 election interference case. I'll talk more about that later. Jenna Ellis flipped. She worked as Trump's attorney after the 2020 election. She and Rudy Giuliani set out to prove voter fraud, and they both ended up being part of the 19 co-conspirators in that Georgia RICO trial. Well, on Tuesday, Jenna Ellis flipped pled guilty and agreed to become a cooperating witness. I'll talk more about that later. Trump's former special counsel, Michael Cohen's blockbuster testimony in the New York State Attorney General civil fraud trial turned out to be even more damning than expected. Michael Cohen testified on Tuesday. Trump was unable to control his rage I'll have more on Cohn in a second, but his testimony, Michael Cohn's testimony, was such a brutal act of disloyalty and betrayal that Donald Trump couldn't believe he wasn't the one on the witness stand. And now many members of the House caucus are saying Tom Emmer, the most recent pick before this guy for speaker, they're saying Emmer dropped out of the race because Trump took to social media and trashed him as a globalist rhino. And House Republicans 
are silently wishing Donald Trump would bugger off. Politico reports that after Emmer dropped out of the race, Donald Trump bragged to friends that he was able to destroy Emmer's career. No concern for the institution of Congress. It's just, hey, look what I can do. It's incredible. These Republicans are in the thrall, literally, of a lunatic. I mean, it goes without saying. And it keeps getting worse for Donald Trump. It's finally catching up with him. ABC News reported Tuesday night that Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, one of the founders of the ultra-right Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows has become a cooperating witness in the 2020 election interference trial where Donald Trump is the sole defendant. For months, it was generally accepted that Meadows had flipped or would flipped. He is currently on trial in Georgia, along with 18 other co-defendants, for helping to orchestrate a mass conspiracy to overturn the election results in that state. But now he's working with the feds in D.C. The same way Michael Cohen knows all the dark secrets about the Trump organization, Mark Meadows was Donald Trump's chief of staff. He knows everything about Trump's final year as president. This is really bad for Donald Trump. Meadows' attorney, as well as the special counsel's office, they've both refused to confirm ABC's reporting on this. But ABC says Meadows has confirmed to special counsel Jack Smith that during the insurrection, then House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy did in fact call Donald Trump, ordering Trump to call off his attack dogs. But Trump said, quote, I guess these people are more upset than you are. He has confirmed that he heard Donald Trump say that to Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy won't confirm it, but it had been rumored. ABC says Meadows' testimony will align precisely with that of his assistant, Cassidy Hutchinson, who said Donald Trump had no interest in ordering his capital assailants to back off. ABC News says Meadows is prepared to testify that his book, written after Trump left office, is filled with inaccuracies concerning evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Meadows will testify that Rudy Giuliani found zero evidence of fraud and that only weeks after the election, he, Mark Meadows, told Trump that. Meadows is reportedly ready to testify he lied when he said Bill Barr's Justice Department refused to take claims of voter fraud seriously. Meadows said the truth is the FBI investigated and Bill Barr was correct. They found no evidence of voter fraud. ABC News reports Meadows will testify that Trump was lying when he refused to concede on election night and when he claimed election fraud. Meadows said there was absolutely no evidence of election fraud when Trump told the American people that. Meadows is prepared to testify that he saw 
absolutely no evidence that Joe Biden and the Democrats stole the election. Meadows will testify that in the weeks immediately following the election, he tried to convince Trump that Trump's claims of voter fraud had no basis in fact. Meadows reportedly told the special counsel he wanted to resign as White House chief of staff because of Trump's erratic behavior following the election. But Meadows said he felt obligated to stay on to maintain a peaceful transfer of power. Well, you did a really good job at that, didn't you, Mark Meadows? Thanks for staying on and thanks for that peaceful transfer of power, you obsequious prick. Let's now go to Georgia, where Trump's RICO trial is turning out exactly as D.A. Fonnie Willis planned it. you got to remember, Fonnie Willis, Madam D.A., loves RICO trials. They're her specialty. Indict 19 people, then start flipping the low-hanging fruit and keep working your way up the chain of command until the only one left in the courtroom is Donald Trump. When Trump's election interference attorney, Jenna Ellis, was indicted by Fonnie Willis back in the summer, Jenna Ellis defiantly issued the following statement. Those who mock me, who mock my former client and mock my God, want to see me break but they aren't going to get that satisfaction. Well, guess what, Jenna Ellis? On Tuesday, you flipped big time. You gave us that satisfaction. Jenna Ellis flipped. And so, Jenna Ellis, since you flipped, I mock you in a very self-satisfied way. I, I mock your former client, Donald Trump, and I mock your God, any God that told you to lie and cheat and destroy American democracy is a false God. So I mock your God, and I say that with much glee and satisfaction. I mock you, your fate, your pain, your shame, your embarrassment. I mock your old boss, Donald Trump. I mock your false God, who apparently was Donald Trump. You have given me much satisfaction. I relish your emotional pain, Jenna Ellis. I know you wrote the court apologizing to the people of Georgia. You had to write an apology and you wrote that. But I saw your behavior after you were censured by the judge in Colorado for your role on January 6th. And you apologized to the judge, but then stood outside the courtroom immediately after and told reporters, no, I didn't admit any wrongdoing. To the judge, you misled reporters about what really happened during your censure hearing. So I suspect you're like those January Sixers who plea and cry for a lighter sentence. And then when they end up getting 10 years, you turn to the courtroom and shout, Donald Trump won, Joe Biden lost. So I'm enjoying your white lady tears the same way I'm enjoying Kenneth Cheesebro's humiliation and Sidney Powell's. And I hope the three of you spend the rest of your life getting sued in every state you orchestrated the false elector scheme. 
you try to turn this country over to fascists, and this was going to be chilly under General Pinochet, and still may be. So a lot of people would have ended up in a lot of pain if you succeeded, Jenna Ellis. So I want you and Trump and the whole lot of them to feel the emotional pain you would have caused everyone else had you succeeded. So, yes, thank you. I'm very satisfied to see you weeping in court. I love your white lady tears. I love the way you made it about you. By the way, this spells doom for Rudy Giuliani, who has no choice now but to flip on Trump. Trump must be wondering, how do I flip on Trump? I can see Trump flipping on Trump. Your Honor, is there any way I can get a lighter sentence if I, Donald Trump, would be willing to testify against Donald Trump? I mean, who knows more about the crimes committed by Donald Trump than Donald Trump? And nobody flips better than Trump, Your Honor. I'm an amazing flipper. Everybody says so. That's my Donald Trump impersonation. Jenna Ellis became Donald Trump's fourth co-defendant in the Georgia RICO trial to plead guilty and return for a lighter sentence and in return for promising to testify against the 18 other co-defendants. She is now the third lawyer in this case to turn against Trump following last week's guilty pleas entered by Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheesebro. Trump was told about her plea deal while walking out of a New York City courtroom on Tuesday where he's on trial for fraud. He said, she flipped? That's too bad. And then he added, I'm not worried. Sure, you're not worried. And Melania isn't planning her exit strategy right now. You have nothing to worry about. Jenna Ellis had been charged with aiding and abetting the false elector scheme, as well as devising plans to delay the certification of the presidential election for Joe Biden on January 6. She is a devout conservative Christian, and she's a frequent guest on those far-right talk shows pushing election conspiracy falsehoods and other nonsense. And up until yesterday, she insisted she would never, ever back down. Like I said, Alice was censured by the Colorado Bar earlier in the year for the role she played on January 6. And uh, while she was apologetic to the judge, uh, she denied to the media that she ever admitted to the judge that she had lied about the election. So I'm hoping Fawny Willis puts her on the stand, hand on Bible, under oath, and forces her to have a public reckoning with the truth about Trump and herself. Now, Ellis pled guilty, like I said, to a felony, admitting she aided and abetted false testimony, uh, claiming election fraud, and of course, the phony elector scheme. Uh, in exchange for this lighter sentence, she's now a cooperating witness. And I don't think there's enough alcohol in the world to dull Rudy Giuliani's pain hearing this news. He is, if you remember, a co-defendant, and 
Jenna Ellis was right by Rudy's side as they traveled around the country testifying before state legislatures and going before judges making phony claims of voter fraud. This is not good for Rudy, but then again, what is good for Rudy? After the indictment this summer, Jenna Ellis openly complained that Trump's Save America PAC raised hundreds of millions of dollars to investigate election fraud. He had promised she was going to get paid for her work, never got paid. And he showed no interest in paying her legal fees or Rudy's legal fees or anybody's legal fees. Nobody's legal fees are being paid in the Georgia RICO trial. Ellis took to give, send, go and crowdsourced her legal bills. And she raised about $216,000 from idiot conservatives, including Ben Shapiro and Congressman Chip Roy. And now Rolling Stone magazine reports some of her MAGA imbeciles who donated, well, they want their money back. Many of them, like Laura Loomer, congressional candidate Laura Loomer, if you don't know who Laura Loomer is, you are so lucky not to know who Laura Loomer is. Uh, Laura Luma, Loomer uh, called the high-profile scam artist a scam artist. That's when she copped a plea. Uh, Laura Loomer called the high-profile scam artist, Jenna Ellis, a scam artist. Donations, as of this morning are still pouring in for Jenna Ellis while others are demanding a refund. Oh, it's nice to see her in hell. I'm enjoying it. Thank you. Because I love America. I love America almost as much as I love seeing these people in pain. You're listening to The Mop-Up for October 25th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode, share it, subscribe to my channel and my newsletter. We're conducting a poll with our live studio audience in the chat room. Uh, the question is, by the time the Iowa caucuses roll around in January, Donald Trump will be A, in first place, B, in divorce court, C, in a mental institution, or D, in jail for violating a gag order. I'll have the results of that poll at the end of this morning's show. Let's go to New York City, where Donald Trump's fraud trial is now in week four. Judge Arthur Engeron is presiding over Donald Trump's civil lawsuit and has already ruled that Trump is guilty of defrauding lenders by overstating the value of his properties to secure loans and insurance policies. The judge has already ordered Trump's companies to be dissolved. It's a brutal ruling that Trump plans to appeal. Trump has not had any good news. I don't even think Election Day 2016 was good news for him. He didn't want to win that. I don't think he's had any good news. 
Well, this trial, the fraud trial, continues until mid-December, as there are several other counts that must be adjudicated. And as we all know, this is the trial that is driving Trump insane because it cuts to the core of his identity. It's opening up his books and revealing he's anything but the shrewd businessman he presents to his dreadfully low-information voters. What can I say about Michael Cohen's testimony on Tuesday? He demolished Donald Trump on Tuesday. It surpassed expectations. It was brutal. In clear and concise language, Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, spelled out precisely how and why Donald Trump inflated the value of his properties and why the civil trial is taking place. He is the reason the civil trial is taking place. I'll talk about that in a second. In no uncertain terms, Michael Cohen testified that Trump lied about the value of his properties because if the insurance companies believe these properties were worth what Donald Trump claimed they were worth, then the premiums he'd be charged out his insurance policies would be far less. So despite what Trump says, that is fraud. He says, who cares if I lied on my financials? Nobody was hurt. Well, somebody was harmed. The insurance companies. Michael Cohn testified that he tricked the insurance companies into lowering his premiums. The insurance companies were harmed, those poor, innocent insurance companies. What did those insurance companies ever do to deserve something like that besides everything? See, this is why I hate Donald Trump. First, he got me rooting for the FBI, and now he's got me rooting for the effing insurance companies. Cohen testified that Trump also inflated the value of his properties to secure a loan to purchase the Buffalo Bills, which we learned from a Deutsche Bank executive's testimony two weeks ago that fell through because Deutsche knew Trump didn't have the cash he claimed to have. That's Deutsche Bank. Well, we knew he was lying, so uh, we still kind of lent him money, but we knew he was a liar. At one point, the testimony, Michael Cohn's testimony, was so damnable, the presiding judge overruled an objection from Trump's lawyers by implying Michael Cohn's testimony is precisely why I've already found Trump guilty of fraud. Trump has already lost this case. They're adjudicating four other counts, but the judge has ruled all your companies in New York State have to go into receivership and be dissolved, and you have to sell off all your properties, including 40 Wall Street and Trump Tower. Cohen, Michael Cohen, said he was ordered to produce financial documents, making Trump appear much richer to fool journalists who were writing stories about Donald Trump, as well as mislead Forbes magazine so they would put him on the list of their wealthiest 400 which Forbes, more often than not, saw through. He often didn't make that list. During Tuesday's testimony, Michael Cohn said 
He filled out phony financials that were then handed over to banks and insurance brokers in order to get inflated loans and policies for Trump. And Cohn testified, quote, I was tasked by Mr. Trump to increase the total assets based upon a number that he arbitrarily elected. He literally would say, I've decided I want to be worth $6 billion this year. Make it so. Cohen said he and Trump's chief financial officer were ordered by Trump, quote, to reverse engineer the various different asset classes, increase those assets in order to achieve a number that Mr. Trump had tasked us. Cohen testified that Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka were actively involved in misleading banks by inflating the value of the Trump organization's properties. But Cohn said he never witnessed that behavior. He said you just knew that to be the case. But it was nice to see Michael Cohen and Donald Trump reunited after five long years. Trump made it a point of sitting in the courtroom, staring at Cohen, stink-eyeing stink-eyeing him, menacing him, and reminding him, you will pay for this. Before court was in session, Trump walked the red carpet. His attorney, Lena Abba, told everyone who she was wearing. And then Trump launched an attack against Michael Cohen, saying, quote, well, he's a proven liar, as you know. He's a felon who served a lot of time for lying. <laughs> he served a lot of time for lying. For you. He was lying for you. You hired Michael Cohn because he's a proven liar. And he went to prison because he lied for you, you liar. It was billed as blockbuster testimony, and it lived up to all the hype. Michael Cohen knows too much and spilled everything. Michael Cohen worked 10 years for the Trump Organization, he quit in 2018 after a slew of federal and congressional investigations that led to his becoming a cooperating witness after a brief stay in a federal prison. Michael Cohn spent 16 days in solitary confinement until U.S. District Judge Alvin Hellerstein removed him, ruling that the solitary confinement was retaliatory and had been ordered by then-Attorney General Bill Barr, who at the time was doing Donald Trump's dirty work. Can you imagine spending 16 days in solitary confinement? You've just gone up against a sitting president of the United States. Solitary confinement. You flip out. You flip out in prison. If you're in solitary confinement, you go insane. And you know how paranoid... Michael Cohen must have felt knowing that this was a retaliatory gesture. Um, unbelievable. Hmm. I wonder how Jeffrey Epstein died. If Bill Barr ordered Michael Cohen to spend 16 days in solitary confinement and Judge Alvin Hellerstein took him out and said this is just pure retaliatory behavior on the part of our attorney general. Hmm. Interesting. New York State Attorney General Letitia James says she came up with the idea of prosecuting Donald Trump for fraud after watching Michael Cohn's congressional testimony, 
where he talked openly about Donald Trump falsifying basically all his business records. Cohn is a lawyer, but because he worked separately from Trump's corporate lawyers, he served more as a fixer and an enforcer who made legal problems disappear without relying on traditional legal remedies. In polite company, Cohen liked to call himself Trump's special counsel, which is essentially a lawyer who doesn't work within the confines of the law. Any lawyer who calls himself a special counsel is generally tasked with advising his client what the law is and how you can then work your way around it. That's what a special counsel is. Not in the Justice Department. Or a general counsel as well. If you're a general counsel, you're advising some billionaire or corporate executive what the law is and then how to work your way around it. It's usually ex-prosecutors who take those jobs, which should be against the law. During cross-examination, while on the witness stand, Michael Cohen repeatedly turned to the judge and said, I object, Your Honor. It was driving Trump's attorneys crazy. He kept saying, I object, Your Honor. I'm not sure a witness can do that. Maybe a witness <laughs> can object. I don't know. But Cohen is anything but a, a legal scholar. He's an intellectual lightweight who Trump took a liking to because of Cohn's vicious thuggery and general thirst for vengeance. We've played messages that Cohen left on people's phones before he turned on Donald Trump. He was Donald Trump's mob enforcer. Cohen was essentially a goon who left threatening messages for Trump's enemies vowing to use Trump's vast army of attorneys to sue his opponents into submission. Journalists were subjected to Michael Cohen's wrath all the time. Until it all fell apart for him, Michael Cohen thought of himself as Trump's Roy Cohen. What makes Michael Cohen's testimony so portentous for Donald Trump is that Michael Cohen served as Trump's personal fixer. On Tuesday, he told the court that he took his orders solely and privately from Donald Trump. There were no intermediaries to provide Donald Trump with any plausible deniability. Trump can't claim, as he did after Sidney Powell flipped last week, that I never met this lawyer. And by the way, he met Sidney Powell countless times and was planning to name her special counsel to prosecute Democrats for voter fraud. In Trump's twisted web of power dynamics, Cohen's testimony on Tuesday was the ultimate betrayal. Donald Trump trusted Michael Cohen with his darkest secrets, figuring Michael Cohen had the makings of a Roy Cohen, a mafia lawyer, who kept his mouth shut because he had just as many secrets as his clients. That's what Donald Trump saw in Michael Cohn. It is precisely why Michael Cohn, in the lead up to his testimony, has openly told everyone he fears for his life. In many ways, 
if Donald Trump is a mafia Don, and there's no reason to think otherwise, Michael Cohen is Joseph Valachi. In October of 1963, Joseph Valachi testified against the Genovese crime family before Senator John L. McClellan's Congressional Committee on Organized Crime. Much like Michael Cohen's testimony, Valachi confirmed for the first time what everyone suspected about the mafia, including its code of silence and organizational structure. Cohen, like Valachi, is now serving as a key witness on background for this civil fraud lawsuit, as well as in the criminal indictment brought by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, as well as all the other criminal trials around America. So, why is Donald Trump so intent on convincing everyone he's a billionaire? In a new book about Mitt Romney, the senator sat down for some interviews, and he said he knew Trump was a charlatan decades ago, and most of us in New York knew that as well. Senator Romney said when they first met, Trump, this was decades ago, Trump told him the banks were paying him a monthly allowance because the banks knew the only way he would ever be able to pay them back is if he could burnish his brand by convincing people he had money instead of owing billions. This is according to Mitt Romney. Trump has gone bankrupt six times. And somewhere along the line, the banks told Trump they would let him keep his properties so long as he didn't sully the Trump brand. The banks came to believe that the Trump name extended a premium value to his underwater properties, making them potentially worth more if Trump still owned them, as opposed to the bank taking them and then trying to sell them. The Trump name added a premium, they figured, but they had to make him look rich and successful, so they paid him an allowance in the hopes that eventually he would be able to pay them back. Trump turned from real estate, airlines, and casinos after going bankrupt in real, he went bankrupt in real estate, bankrupt airlines, bankrupt casinos, and the bank said, no, you just pump your brand. And that is what we're learning from Michael Cohn's testimony, testimony involving falsified financial statements, convincing journalists that he was solvent and a prosperous businessman. He wasn't. Far from it. Donald Trump was up to his eyeballs in debt. He still is. He must keep borrowing and running for president to maintain this charade. Decades ago, Donald Trump ran out of legitimate lenders and turned to Russian oligarchs to borrow from as part of a money laundering operation he's been running since Roy Cohen, attorney to the mob, showed him how. This is why Donald Trump building a hotel in Moscow became so important to him, and he ordered Michael Cohen to pursue Putin 
and this hotel throughout the 2016 campaign. He wanted Putin's help to build the tower in Moscow. And even though Donald Trump said, I've, I'm running for president, I'm no longer trying to build this tower in Moscow, Michael Cohen told the Mueller report, I was busy with people working for Putin trying to get that tower built in Moscow because they automatically assumed that Donald Trump was not going to be president. He wasn't going to win. We all know Donald Trump's run for higher office was a branding exercise that went horribly wrong. He wasn't supposed to become president. So, the best thing that could happen for this country is Donald Trump to spend a night in jail for violating a gag order. After Trump took to social media and accused the judge, Judge Angeron's clerk, of carrying on an affair with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Judge Angeron issued a gag order forbidding Trump from saying anything against the employees of the court, including the judge himself. The judge twice ordered Trump to remove that social post about the clerk, and Trump didn't remove it and slapped, eventually the judge last week slapped Trump with a $5,000 fine, and he warned if this behavior continues, Mr. Trump, you will find yourself in contempt of court and in a jail cell. We are quickly reaching a point where Trump's courtroom antics and speechifying are forcing the judge's hand. It is not, un, it is not inconceivable that the former president will be placed in a holding cell until he learns how to behave. Of course, an alternative would be banishing Trump from the courtroom altogether, which, you know, I, have, I suspect that's what we're more likely to see. But Donald Trump, there's been a gag order, and like everybody said, Donald Trump cannot contain himself. Uh, here is Donald Trump on the campaign trail in direct defiance of the judge's orders. I have a highly partisan judge, a real political guy right out of the clubhouses, and he's been overturned many times by the appellate courts, and he defrauded me. They defrauded me because I have a house that's very valuable, and they try and make it like I, I'm increasing values. And honestly, it's a very conservative number, but they valued a house that's worth 100 times more than the number they use. That's dementia by the way, and it's also violating the, the gag order. He's violating the gag order. Yesterday, he said in direct violation of Judge Angeron's gag order, quote, if we had any other judge, this case would have been thrown out years ago. Then, in direct violation of the gag order, he said, quote, Judge Angeron, he is a radical left Democrat who is totally controlled by Letitia James and her Thugs. Letitia James is the New York State Attorney General who filed the lawsuit against Trump. Eventually, 
he's going to spend a night in jail for this because his lawyers are scared. His, his lawyers are scared of these judges and they're scaring Trump and he's out of control and there's a little dementia now. He's getting things wrong. Even DeSantis is picking up on this. And when he spends one night in jail, it'll break him. The man has never spent a night in jail. He spends one night in jail, looks around and thinks, oh, my God, this could be the next 20 years of my life. I'm going to flip. I'm going to turn state's evidence and turn on Donald Trump. I'm going to flip on myself and try to get... I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to go to he's going to go to prison. And the thing with Trump is when he disappears, it's going to be like it never happened. It's like he's going to disappear, flame out before the Iowa caucus. Something's he's going to shit his pants in front of everyone. something's going to happen and he'll just disappear. And people go, what was that? Well, the, the past eight years, what was that? That's how it ends, uh, with a whimper. He's just going to lock him up. We'll forget about him. Was that really? Was that a part of our history? Trump is freaking out. He's completely losing it. And the poll numbers are the only thing he's got going, but those morons don't determine his fate. The courts do. And he's going down. He's going down. Maybe he can win the presidency. Maybe. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, what he says about Mar-a-Lago is pure dementia. It's, 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 it's beyond sick. It's pathological. He is fighting for Mar-a-Lago's good name. And in so doing, once again, violating Judge Arthur Angeron's orders. Now, Donald Trump, because his ego is bruised, Donald Trump claims that Judge Arthur Angeron valued Mar-a-Lago at $18 million when he ruled that Trump inflated the property value by 2,500% to borrow against it. Right. But Judge Angeron has repeatedly said in the courtroom, Donald Trump, you must stop claiming that I or Attorney General Letitia James came up with the 18 million dollar number for Mar-a-Lago. It's a lie. Knock it off. And Donald Trump can't stop lying. The judge said 18 million is what the Palm Beach tax assessor came up with from Mar-a-Lago, and you, Donald Trump, agreed, which is why you now pay taxes on an $18 million piece of property instead of a $2.5 billion piece of property. And the judge has asked Donald Trump to stop making this claim in public. Trump can't stop it because it's his manhood. Mar-a-Lago has to be worth $2.5 billion. That's, that's what he sees. 
has to believe when he unzips his fly. Mar-a-Lago, whether Donald Trump likes it or not, is a social club. Trump signed away all rights to develop this property back in 1995 in return for major tax easements. He agreed to make it an historical and conservation preservation site. It's only worth $18 million, $20 million. And yet, despite the judge's order, he continues to lie about Mar-a-Lago. To make it clear, PolitiFact, which gets everything right, is from the Pointer Institute, very simply, they say, they check the claims. Claim, New York Attorney General Letitia James and Judge Arthur Angoron valued Mar-a-Lago at $18 million. False. False. The tax assessor, Palm Beach, valued it $18 million. And Trump signed on to that and agreed and pays taxes based on the $18 million assessment. It's not worth $2.5 billion. It's pathological for somebody to keep saying this. Monday's session in the civil trial was canceled due to COVID concerns, and Judge Angeron on Tuesday denied Trump's attorney's request to delay the trial for another week or two until the COVID threat had lifted. Now Donald Trump is worried about COVID. If he had the same concern about COVID three years ago, one million Americans would still be alive. Well, apparently there's a bit of a COVID outbreak in the attorney general's office, and one of Trump's lawyers tested positive. So on Tuesday, Judge Engeron said, if you're worried about COVID, wear a mask. A maskless Alina Abba, that's his attorney, said she wanted the trial postponed, insisting she didn't want to get contaminated by the attorney general's office. And then when she had to speak into a microphone, she demanded another microphone while she wasn't wearing a mask. You know, Donald Trump is complaining that he's going to catch COVID from this trial now. If I were the judge, I would have looked Donald Trump square in the eye and said, Mr. Former President, if you're worried so much about COVID, I have a bottle of bleach and some Dixie cups. Salute. That's what I would have said. I would have handed him a a shot of bleach if he's so worried about COVID. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Please like this video. Please like this audio. This is also an audio podcast. You can download it wherever podcasts are heard. Please share this. The best way to help me is to share this via email or social media with your friends. That's basically the only way to help me. So please do that. Please comment. Your comments inform the trajectory of the show. You correct me. Uh, somebody corrected my grammar. I misused the word belie two nights ago. Very embarrassing. I'll go over that tomorrow. 
thank you to everybody in the chat room. Bob, thank you. Let's check our poll and see the results. Now, here we go. Okay. Of the show. There we go. Okay. This is the question. There's Chloe. Hey, Chloe. Chloe's in the chat room. It's like office hours. Uh, Hi, Chloe. Uh, Okay, so the question is, we have 1,283 votes. And the question is, by the time the Iowa caucuses roll around, Donald Trump will be in first place, in jail for violating a gag order, in divorce court with Melania, or in a mental institution. So I'll go from the bottom up. Number four in fourth place with 8% of our 1,300 votes. In divorce court with Melania. I agree with that. I, 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 don't, I think 8% is correct. <clears throat> in third place is in a mental institution, 24%. Yeah, okay. And just above that in second place at 27% is in first place. So in first place came in second place on this show. 27% of the 1,310 votes put, say that he'll be in first place, but that came in second place. And 40%. A resounding 40% in first place believe Donald Trump will be in jail for violating a gag order. That would be good news. I hope you're right. Is that wishful thinking, or do you really think that's going to happen? I don't know. To be continued. Thank you all for putting up with my nonsense. I will try to start tomorrow's show at 12.05 a.m. Eastern. It's just been, there's just been so much going on. Okay, thank you all. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for coming. 